I'm so glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you, through you, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to send your prayer request and share your story with us at jcc.life forward slash prayer. If you would also like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at jcc.life forward slash give. There you can simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. A couple things that my pops, my dad, my father, that he taught me, things that he taught me, things that I learned from him. I got four things for you. We're going to keep it short and sweet. Amen? Amen. Amen. There's a couple people excited to get out of this heat. All right. Y'all ready for number one? Yes. I'm just going to jump into it. Put God first in everything. My father taught me to put God first in everything. I remember as a kid uh, being awakened by the sound of my dad praying. I was awakened by the sound of my dad praying. My, my bedroom was right next to my parents' bedroom. Initially, I was frustrated because it was always before 6 a.m. that I'd hear him praying and he would wake me up. That deep voice speaking, saying, thank you, God. I love you, God. And then occasionally there'd be some, some tongues that he'd speak in. And uh, uh, I was a little irritated uh, because I was trying to catch my Z's, right? Uh, but I remember him uh, praying early in the morning. I remember him taking me to school sometimes. He would take me to school sometimes in the morning. And he always had a bottle of grape juice. And he always had a packet of crackers. And before he'd pull off, he'd take the bottle of grape juice. He'd, he'd sip a little bit. And he'd take a cracker and he'd bite the cracker. And he'd say, I do this in remembrance of you, Jesus Christ. He'd take communion every single morning before he would travel and start his day. Um, every now and then, we, when, when we were out shopping, um, he would always, um, uh, we would go out. Some of our favorite stores were Comp USA. Some probably don't know what that is. Uh, Best Buy, any tech store that existed, a guitar center where they had instruments. We would always go out. We'd peruse. We'd look around. And occasionally, I'd ask him if I could get something. Like every kid, uh, when we go to the grocery store, can I have this? Can I get that? Anybody experience that? Yeah. Um, and often the answer is no. no. Right. And so I, I, I spaced out my asking, right? And so occasionally I would ask, and his response was, have you asked God if it's something that you should have? And I'd walk away for three minutes in frustration and... Then I would remember uh, a scripture that was quoted in Psalms 84, verse 11, that says, The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who walk uprightly. So I come back to him. He said, God, I said, Dad, you know, I pray. And the Bible says that he will withhold no good thing from me because I walk upright before him. His response then to me was, Well, did you clean your room? Did you do your chores? And then I walked away, head hanging down, because I knew what the answer was. Every now and then, he would, he would reward me. He would give me something. 
But all along the way, as a kid, I didn't understand it then. But as I grew older, I realized that he was putting God first in everything that he did. He woke up in the morning and he prayed. He took his communion daily. And he was teaching me uh, as, as, as a demonstration, as a model of how I should interact and keep God first and everything that I do. Um, Proverbs chapter three and verse four says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is the tricky one. And do not lean on your own understanding our own intellect gets in the way sometimes our own wisdom that we think we think is enough it gets in the way sometimes but the bible simply instructs us to to trust the lord not to lean to our own understanding and in everything in all of our ways acknowledge him he will make our paths straight that's one thing i learned from my father is that you have to put God first in everything. Somebody say everything. Y'all ready for number two? Number two is you got to do the work. Do the work. My father taught me to do the work. When I was old enough, it was my job to cut the grass. It was my job to cut the grass. Now, you have to understand that where we grew up, uh, the house that I grew up in, it was big enough to hold or to host maybe a couple softball games at one time. Uh, in the summer, my allergies uh, were worse than what they are now. They get super crazy. They would flare up. I mean, my nose is running. My eyes are watering. I'm sneezing like crazy. Um, and uh, in order for me to try and figure out a way of, uh, of getting out of cutting the grass, has anybody ever not wanted to do something to try and devise a plan on how you can get out of it? And so I remember one time, I had walked out into the yard. I said, you know, I, I'm going to get out of this. I, I stepped into the middle where there was weeds because you have to know that our, our grass grew high and it was like knee high. Uh, and so I would, I would ruffle the grass a little bit and I'd breathe deep until the tears came, until my nose started running. Then I'd go back in the house. This is what I did. Went back in the house and said, Dad, broken voice, Dad. <laughs> My allergies, I can't take it. It's just too much. I had the results. It was real. He said, okay, son, wait right here. I'm going to be right back. I'm like, oh, I don't have to cut grass. Thank God. He comes back with a face mask. You know the white ones that you really can't breathe through? They work that well. And he said, you're going to be all right. Now go back out there and get that grass cut. So I put the face mask on and I, I went back outside and, and, and I... I cut the grass. Um, one thing that my uh, father taught me, he taught me that, that life sometimes requires you to do the dirty work. It requires you to do the, the dirty work. I didn't want to cut the grass. I didn't want to sweat. I didn't want to get nasty. I didn't, I didn't want to do all that. But how many know that sometimes you got to do the uncomfortable work? 
You, you got you to gotta do the hard work. You have to do the challenging work. The feeling of being accomplished, the feeling of accomplishing something despite your allergies, despite your shortcomings and your handicaps and labels and whatever people put on you, the feeling of accomplishing it even in the midst of all that, there's nothing that compares to knowing that you did the hard work and you overcame and you got it done. My father, he, he taught me that you, you got to do the work. He told me that after I cut the grass, he promised that he would come behind me and he would bag it up. He would bag up the grass that was cut. And, and what I want to tell somebody is that you not only have to do the work, but you have to do your part. You got to do the work, but you got to do your part. In a marriage... You got to do your part. In a family, you have to do your part. In your community, we have to do our parts. And we know at our jobs, we have to do our part. Say this with me. It takes a team. Yeah, it takes a team. No man can make it alone. You need somebody. You need at least three people in your life who can encourage you, who can push you forward, and who can get the job done with you. And so for someone who's on a team, before you ridicule the person that you're on the team with, before you find fault with the person that you're on the team with, before you place blame with the person or the people that you're on the team with, you have to ask yourself this question, did I do my part? Did I do my part? It's easy to find blame, place blame on other people when things are failing, but, but we have to do that, that inside work. We have to ask ourselves that question. Did I do my part? Did I do everything that was in my power to do? You got to do the work. Check this out. Noah received instruction from God on how to build the ark. Remember that? Yeah, he received instruction from, from God on how to build the ark, but he couldn't do it alone. He couldn't do it alone. Noah's family had to help him build the ark. They each had their, their part by doing their work. They had to play their part. They had to do their part. They had to work their part. They had to do it. And no one was insignificant. No one was insignificant in Noah's family. And the reason why no one was insignificant is because it took a team to get it done. Each person's role was crucial to surviving the flood. Their role was crucial to surviving the flood. Moses was standing at the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army behind him. Anybody heard the story? All right, y'all talk back to me this morning. I promise you we'll get out here sooner. Moses was standing at the Red Sea, uh, and he was, he was standing there with Pharaoh's army behind him, and God had instructed him to lift up his staff and to stretch his hand over the Red Sea. And then Exodus chapter 14, verse 21 says this, uh, as soon as he stretched out his hand, the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the the sea dry land and the waters were divided. Someone here today, you've been waiting on God, but God's been waiting on you to trust him. And after you trust him, you got to do what he told you to do. Yeah. You, he told him to raise your hand, raise your staff and stretch your hand out over the Red Sea. And then God 
did the rest. If you're on a team, then I tell you, you got to do your part. And if you, while you do your part, you got to believe and know and trust that the other person will do their part. Is that right? All right. Uh, you got to do the hard thing. You got to do what he told you to do. The livelihood of your future, of your team, depends on you doing your part. And I know that it seems like uh, like a great deal of pressure when you carry the weight of your family, when you carry the weight of the relationship, when someone is contributing less than what you're contributing. But if you do your part, I know that God will make up the difference for you. You got to do your part by doing the work. Y'all ready for number three? Uh, thank you, Marseille. I appreciate it. All things are possible with God. Somebody say that with me. All things. One more time, like you believe it. All things. Yeah, my dad, he modeled a life lived by faith. A life lived by faith. His faith was so radical that. That every Friday, I remember it like clockwork, he would go to S.A. There was S.A. by our house, S.A. gas station. And, and he would purchase uh, a Powerball ticket. And it was a manual Powerball ticket. And he would fill out the numbers. And as he was filling out the numbers, he was speaking in tongues. I'm like, oh, what is he doing? And then he'd go back. And uh, before he got out the car, he'd just say a prayer over the Powerball ticket. (laughs) He believed anything was possible (laughs) with God. Now, my dad never won the Powerball. I would have been so happy if he did. Uh, but, But he was a man that lived knowing that all things were possible with God. If ever I had a gripe or complain about if I felt bad and something in my body was aching or if I was feeling a certain way about something, he would ask, well, is God, is God able to do it? Can God do it? He would challenge me to not just, to not just wallow in how I felt, but actually, I could actually take action and believe and stand on God's word in regards to what he said about my life, when, in regards to what he said about how I felt in my body. He said, he taught me that I had to challenge, I had to challenge those things that came to oppose me, and I had to believe that God, all things, excuse me, were possible with God. There was a man in Mark chapter 6, a man in Mark chapter 6, he came to Jesus asking him to help his son who was deaf and dumb. This man was deaf and he was dumb. And in verse 20 of Mark chapter 6, it says this. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. And he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. Verse 21 says this. How long has has this been happening, Jesus asked the the boy's father, and he replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us. Help us if you can. 
Verse 23, catch this. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. And so the story goes on to talk about this boy. Jesus approached the boy. They brought the boy to him and he shook a little bit more violently. And, and, and Jesus spoke to the boy and he commanded that the spirits, the demons that were possessing him, he commanded them to let the boy go. The boy dropped to the ground and there was a hush over the crowd and people began to whisper, he's dead. He must have died. And, and, and there's no more life in him. And so eventually Jesus steps forward and he reaches his hand out to the boy to help him stand up. And the boy stands up and everything is fine. And, and I want to ask you a question. Is there anything that is impossible with God? I don't care how long the situation has been happening. I don't care how long whatever it has been uh, uh, opposing you. Is there anything that is impossible with God. I don't care what you're dealing with today. It doesn't matter the things that you are facing right now. I need you to know, like Jesus said, can I ask you, what do you mean if I can? What do you mean can I? What do you mean will I? You must know that all Things are possible with God. We're not talking about President Trump. We're, we're not talking about the mayor. We're not talking about the governor. We're not talking about millionaires throughout this land. We're talking about God. The God who, who reached down into dirt and he formed man. The same God who reached into Adam and pulled out a rib and brought forth Eve. The same God who rescued the children from out of the snare of Eve. Egypt and Pharaoh, this same God who saw you and I where we were in our mess and he loved us the same and yet he pulled us out into this marvelous life. This same God, this same God who makes good on every promise, every promise, and all you have to do is believe. Just believe. He says it at the end of the verse. Anything is possible if a person believes. Do you believe? Do you believe? And it's one thing that I'm trying not to harp on just on a day-to-day -day basis, but you got to forgive me. I get it from my daddy. Do you believe? I know your body hurts, but do you believe that he's actually a healer? I know they said it's incurable, but do you believe that he's the God that created you and he can make it all right? I know that they said the relationship is beyond repair, but do you believe that he's the God that put together something great and that he will not allow anyone to tear it asunder? Do you believe that he is the God, the same God that can turn water into wine, the same God who drove back the water so the people could cross over? Anything is possible if you only believe. Y'all ready for number four? You were created for more. Can you do me this favor? Tell the, tell the person next to you, you were created for more. Yeah, you were created for more. You were created for more. Uh, 
is probably one of my favorite ones. You were created for more. The reason why I say this is because this is a statement I have to tell myself when I'm feeling low, when I feel like I don't have what it takes. You were created for more. My dad enjoyed his now, but he never settled for now. He enjoyed his now. He enjoyed everything that God did for him, but he, he didn't settle. He wasn't satisfied with where he was. He was always looking forward. He was anticipating what was next. He was, he was well, when I was growing up, I, I thought my dad was harsh. I thought he was harsh. Faith thought he was harsh too. She'll never say it. But, but I, I thought he was harsh. We would go to our parent-teacher conferences and uh, I've said it before. I think she said it too before. If you got an A, he would ask the teacher, how can we turn that into an A plus? You know? Like, what do you mean? I got an A. What, what else do you want from me? Uh, that was Faith's story. I got a C. You, <laughs> you, want, you want what? A C plus? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let's continue on with the message. Uh, he'd always ask, how could we make this better? How can we grow from here? As a kid, I would attend prayer meetings at our church that we attended. I would get home and he would ask me, uh, son, did you have an opportunity to lead prayer? I was a teenager like, what? <laughs> I just went and I slept for an hour and I came back home. I said, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Did you leave prayer? I was like, no, I didn't leave prayer. I go on about my business. I remember, I remember sometimes he would ask, son, are you preaching yet? My, after a while, my dad went to a different church. On my Facebook, you'll see him. He's, uh, he has a Jewish, he has Jewish garb on and uh, he had, uh, gone to another church uh, at that time. But anytime we, he had church on Saturday, that was his Sabbath. Sunday was our Sabbath. So when I got home from church, he asked, son, are you preaching yet? I'm like, my only dream is to play the drums. Like, one day I'm going to travel around the world, people will know me for playing drums. And uh, what do you mean, am I preaching yet? I have no desire. I don't know how to preach. I have no desire to preach. I don't want to preach. You're asking the wrong person. Uh, but my father knew something that I didn't know. He knew something that I didn't know. He saw something in me that I couldn't see in myself. Uh, he knew I was created for more. He knew that the temptation to settle for safe would come to distract me and to take me off course. And, and so he would always push us. What more can you do? You did a good job, but is there something more you can do? Have you anticipated your future? Have you planned out your finances to make sure that everything will be okay in the future so you don't have to strive for anything, but that you can just have enough for you to live off of? He, he, he looked throughout uh, our lives and he would see he would give us books to read on how to manage our money he would he would uh, specifically with me he would 
invest time in making sure that I knew how to make a schedule and plot out and strategize my day so I could accomplish everything that I needed to know. And even though at the time I was like, Dad, you're just too late. I'm 18. Uh, you're trying to get me to figure this out now. I think I got a good hold on it. He's like, no, you don't because you laid in the bed till 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning. What time do you want me to get up? He's like, you could have got up at 8. I'm like, who gets up at 8 on a Saturday? And so we had that discussion and he said, I just need you to know that time is not on your side. There are things that you are placed here to do. And can I tell somebody today that you were created for more. Don't settle for where you are. Don't settle for what you have. Yes, it's good. Yes, God gave it to you. And yes, there's more that you can have, but you can't stay there. There's more that God wants to give you. And oftentimes, uh, uh, knowing that there is more for us, it requires us stepping out of our comfort zone. Stepping out of our comfort zone. What do you mean did I lead prayer? You know what happened eventually? Lawrence, can you lead us in prayer? What do you mean? Am I preaching yet? You know what happened? Yeah. Lawrence, I want you to preach on a Wednesday night Bible study. What? He saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And can I tell somebody today, I don't care if you didn't have a father. I don't care if you had a great father. There is a father in the name of God. And this father, he puts something in you that perhaps you don't see in yourself. And maybe somebody's tried to label you and tell you that you couldn't. Maybe someone's tried to label you and tell you that's not what our family does. That's not what our bloodline does. But you were created for more. Can I get an amen? amen? You were created for more. You were created for, there's more. There's more to you than what meets the eye. There's more. There's more in me that I have yet to discover. You were created for more. Uh, to those of you who you've put your dream on the shelf, uh, perhaps you've settled for safe and maybe you've, you've gone the extra mile and your outcome was full of disappointment. And you said to yourself, I'm not going to try again. I'm not going to pursue that again. I'm not going to give that my energy anymore. Guess what? You were created for more. My favorite scripture, we've had it the last three weeks, Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a, a hope and a future. A hope and a future. You were created for more. I got one more. It's not in my notes, so it won't be on the screen for you. And uh, I debated whether I'd use this one or not. And, uh, okay, here we go. Uh, if you've been here once or twice, you know there's a little bit about transparency. We're transparent here at Journey. At least I am. Praise God. Amen? Amen. How many know when you're open, you get healed? All right. And I, I say this, this story to help someone. I want to help someone. I feel like it's going to help someone. And so uh, the fifth thing is the bonus. Y'all ready for the bonus, Ron? My dad taught me. My dad taught me that you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to do it alone. So, let's make this quick. What time is it, y'all? It's 11.18. My goal is 11.30. Let's see if we can beat it. 
All right. Uh, uh, my parents, I think I was the age of 19, 18, somewhere around there. My parents got a divorce. My dad pushed for a divorce. And uh, when I tell you my mama was mad, she was mad. And the reason why she was mad is because, like any marriage, they had their difficult moments, right? They had, they had, they had struggles. They had disagreements. And uh, I think at this point, they were married for about 19, 20 years. And um, uh, my mom, she didn't know why my dad was pushing for this divorce. And so uh, she said, all right, you can have it. And she moved us out to Woodbury. Uh, that's where we resided for the last um, 10 years. And so it's a beautiful place, isn't it, Java? Yes, he said it's fine. And so we moved out there, and my dad would pop up every now and then. It was the weirdest thing. I'm just coming to check on Lawrence. It's my mom, man. He's upstairs. You know how y'all women do. Little head swivel, turn your back, keep walking, doing unbothered. And so uh, I come downstairs. He said, can I come in? I'm like, well, sure, Dad, come in. So my mom's sitting there with her eyes cocked like, oh, what in the world? And so I was like, something weird is going on. I was like, do you want to see her? Like, do you miss her? Like, what's going on? He's like, no, I was just coming to check. So he'd do that every now and then, right? And so uh, I, my appendix, I had my appendix removed. And uh, he came and sat up at the hospital with me. And my mom, she'd be like, well, which one of us is gonna stay? Well, we can both stay is what my dad would say. And she just got agitated. <laughs> like, we can take turns. And so she went home, my dad stayed at the hospital with me. And so eventually, uh, my dad, he passed away not too long after that. And we had found out that my dad knew that at some point soon he would die. He knew he would die. We called the ambulance because we had found, we found him unresponsive in the bathroom. And I was wondering, why didn't the ambulance sound their alarms coming down the street? It's just like they popped up, no signal that they were even there. Asked the lady and she said, well, your dad was on a list. The doctors put him on a list that when we were arrived, we already knew that he was probably gone. So my dad knew that at some point he was going to die. But he figured it would be better for him to die alone than to put my mother and me and my sister through the process of watching him die. And I say that story to tell someone this. It, to some, I had to deal with the battle of how selfish of you to think that we couldn't handle the process of you dying. I worked through that. I got healed from that, right? Uh, after that, I thought about, Dad, why, why? You could have just told us. I had a mother who was strong and she could take anything. She would have helped you through it. And when my mother found out that the only reason he divorced her is because he didn't want her to see him suffer. Her heart was broken. 
She had lost her mind for a period of time. And I say all that to say, you don't have to do this alone. You don't have to go through what you're going through alone. First and foremost, God promised that he would always be with us. He even says in the Bible that if we decide to make our bed in hell, that he will be there with us as well. No matter where you go, he is with you. Secondly, God loves you so much that he gave you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is there to comfort you, to aid you, and to guide you. Thirdly, can we talk about it here for a minute? He gave you the gift of the body of Christ. So that when you walk through these doors, you can know that if I'm feeling a certain way, if today is not my best day, if today I feel like giving up, there's somebody in this room you ought to be able to tell them, listen, I just need you to pray for me. And beyond praying for me, can you just go to lunch with me? Can I come home with you? I'm talking real talk. Real talk. Can I come home with you? Because I can't be by myself right now. You don't have to do it alone. That's why we have small groups, life groups. They're not just small for the purpose of us gathering and getting together and having coffee and talking. No, we get strength from each other. When the other one's weak, we pick that person up. And when the other person needs encouragement, we encourage that person and we get what we need. God has assigned the Holy Spirit. And guess what? He's assigned journey to be with you on this journey. You don't have to do it alone. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Journey Community Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using the hashtag JCCMN.